we've always said in the pro-life movement, I used to say this on EWTN all the time, that the closer we get to victory, the more unhinged and unpredictable yes. will be the behavior right. of the other side. Welcome to the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And as you can tell, we have a fan favorite and one of our favorite guests and friends, Father Frank Pavone. This is going to be a great show, as the title states, Israel about to fall. Everybody's wondering what this means, what's going to happen, when will it happen, what will it do to the country, how will it affect even outside the country. We're going to break all this and more down, but of course, everything has to start with prayer and Father Heilman, as always. That's your department. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. <clears throat> Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And great. Thank you very much, Father. And again, we always want to thank all those out there who are so supportive of the U.S. Grace Force. Your comments, your prayers, always amazing. As I've said, whenever Father and I travel to different locations, we always hear people comment about how the Grace Force has in some way positively affected them. And that's very humbling for us. We're very thankful for that. So thank you. And thanks be to God. Please keep us in your prayers always. If you'd like to support us with the Patreon program, you can click the link in the description below. That is a tremendous way to help us keep moving forward. And we thank you always for that. You were always, always in our prayers. Now, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Obviously, when this leak came out of Roe v. Wade falling, it sent shockwaves through so much of the United States and still as this anticipation grows. And so we know that Father Frank Pavone is an expert in this field. It's been his life, uh, especially as recent decades as priest for life. Um, just ahead of it, running it, traveling, just engaging in this battle for so many years. Father, thank you so much for coming on and uh, helping us break this down. It sure is good to be with you again, uh, Doug and, and Father Heilman, and with the whole audience. Uh, joy to be uh, talking about this tonight. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is a huge, huge issue, and the response from you know the pro-abortion side has not been um, uh, so friendly, so we put it that way. Uh, a little bit threatening at times, but before we get to the response, uh, I'd just like to start by asking, can you give just a general kind of breakdown, summarization of what's going on with the Supreme Court? I know you're very savvy with what the courts do and how they operate, so the audience can understand. Uh, we know that the leak came out, uh, and there's been obviously the protests and the threats, and Ruth sent us, and all these groups uh, have been doing a lot of work to try to, I guess, as, as well as Justice Clarence Thomas said, we cannot be bullied into changing right. our minds. Um, so there's been a little bit of that threat and bullying going on. So if you could break it down for us, what has happened and when we expect it to, the full announcement to be released? Right. Well, just to put it in the context, of course, the state of Mississippi asked the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, they passed a law protecting babies at 15 weeks, starting at 15 weeks in the pregnancy. Now, why was that such a big deal because the courts have been telling us since Roe v. Wade, which was 1973, almost 50 years, they've been telling the states they can't do that. 
Mm. They said it's too early in pregnancy if you protect them in 15 weeks. They said viability, at the time of viability, the state could protect them if they want after that point. So when is viability? That's a whole other subject. Time of Roe v. Wade, it was approximately 28 weeks. So Mississippi said, no, we're going to challenge this because there's no reason, especially now that we know so much more about the baby in the womb, and we know so much more about the harm abortion does, there's no reason why the state shouldn't be able to protect people from that, the babies and also the, the moms and dads and everybody else. So they said, we're going to challenge this. And about a year ago, just a little over a year ago, on May the 17th of 2021, the court said, you know what, we're going to take up this case. And they said, we're going to re-examine the question of why it's unconstitutional or whether it's unconstitutional to protect babies earlier. We're going to re-examine that. Once they said that last year, we were very confident that there was going to be a, a correct outcome to this case. Because if they were going to say yes to that question, in other words, all uh, uh, bans on abortion prior to viability are unconstitutional. If they were going to say yes to that, well, then they didn't even have to take the case. They could just leave things the way they were. So the way they framed the question gave us great confidence, plus the fact that we had three new Supreme Court justices appointed by President Trump, three who were, were according to the promise he made, that he would only appoint pro-life justices, we said, this is going to be good. So the case proceeded when we heard the oral arguments on December 1st. We were even more encouraged because it seemed like a majority of the justices were ready to reverse Roe v. Wade. And you can get a lot of, you can get a lot of clues from the oral arguments, but you can't be too, too certain. You, know, you can't be too dogmatic about it. But then this leak came, like you just said. Now this... The fact that there was a leak is unprecedented, especially a leak of an entire draft opinion, the full document, 98 pages. It, this is like, this is unprecedented. And Supreme Court, uh, the Chief Justice uh, confirmed that this was a real document. It wasn't something made up. We actually saw, uh, you know, all of us, the, 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 the draft opinion. And it was not only a reversal of Roe v. Wade, it was a complete decimation of it. I mean, it could not have been stronger and better in its refutation of Roe. And we can talk a little bit if you want more about what it actually said. But the bottom line is that this draft opinion has a majority of the justices reversing Roe v. Wade, plus another decision called Casey, which had reaffirmed Roe in 1992, threw them out the window. And by doing so, it opened up the door for the states and, and as well as for the Congress, by the way, to protect more of these babies, in fact, throughout pregnancy, if that's what they want to do, because the policy is supposed to be set by the legislatures, not by the courts. That's where we are. The leak was unprecedented, but the thing that was leaked was extremely good news for all of us who believe in life and who believe in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Father Frank, I grew up in the 60s. And I remember, I think everybody had Life magazine delivered to their doorstep. And it was, it was a big deal back then. It was, it was one of the major publications. And I remember, and I, I believe I'm right about this, 1965, 
And maybe we can put a picture up of what I'm going to talk about here. But there was a baby in the amniotic sac. And it yes. said the miracle of life in the womb. The miracle of life in the womb. And you looked at this baby and it was a baby. And, and right. that was in 1965. Right. That was eight years before Roe. And it, it just was commonly understood back then that that was right. a baby in the womb. And, and it was, we, we considered the, the womb the most loving and tender and protected place in the universe, right? And virtually overnight, and this is where I want to get at, is, is I, I hear a lot of people say, well, even if they turn it over, it goes back to the States. You know, there's kind of a cynicism about, you know, the Supreme Court overturning it. But here's where I'm going with this is that, you know, in 1973, and again, in the 60s, and before, obviously, that's that's a baby in the womb. Uh, it's life. Uh, but all of a sudden, 1973, with this Supreme Court decision, it seemed like the whole culture flipped overnight. And here's my here's my theory of why that is. I do believe the Supreme Court is held as one of the most trusted and revered institutions. Maybe I was going to say in the country, maybe on the planet. But, uh, but whatever the Supreme Court rules, and for sure during that time, uh, is gospel. Uh, and so when you had the Supreme Court come out with their decision for Roe v. Wade, well, it's gospel. Because it, look, the Supreme Court did it. So what's happening in my estimation right now is the Supreme Court is flipping on that. And, and they're changing their mind, in essence, and yes. saying no— uh, it, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, too. We talk about, we, 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 we were uh, just a mantra of trust the science, trust the science, trust the science <laughs> in the last two years. And they knew in 1965 what the science is, but for sure, since, you know, uh, um, uh, ultrasounds and things like that, you, you can see a baby in the womb. And it's, it's another person. It's not the mother's body. It's two bodies, right? Right. So to me, and I'd like your opinion on this, but to me, uh, what the Supreme Court is about to do is take the sanction from this revered institution away. And I think that that's going to change a lot of hearts where they don't have the backing of this you know, trusted and revered institution anymore. And I think a lot of hearts are going to go, huh, maybe I should look at that ultrasound. Maybe we should, you know, understand that that's a, a life in the womb. Yes. I, I'd like your opinion about well, that, Father Frank. Well, Father, you're getting at a very important point here. Um, first of all, the irony is, as you're pointing out, the science is so clear. Right. And the science, since that Time magazine uh, uh, came out, life, until life, until, uh, life, life. Until, yeah. until now, we have learned more about the unborn child yes. in, the, in these right. decades yes. than we ever knew in human history. So fetology and, and, and fetal surgery and, yes. of course, ultrasound and, right. and everything has become so commonplace now. Medical yeah. science knows this is a patient there in the womb. Yes. So, but what happened with Roe v. Wade, you know, the decision itself has been picked apart and criticized and weakened 
over all these 50 years since it was issued. Mm -hmm. I mean, and in a serious way by academicians, by judges and so forth. And one of the big weaknesses of the decision is um, its uh, treatment of science. Roe v. Wade, the decision itself, actually skips over, as if it didn't exist, hundreds of years of scientific research and evidence. Just skips over it. Right. It, 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 the science in, of Roe v. Wade is, is from the Middle Ages. So it's, it's, um, it's first of all, a, just an embarrassment, really, to the court. And, and, you know, over the years when the court has ruled dozens of times on abortion since Roe v. Wade, and even the decisions that, you know, reaffirmed it, did not reaffirm its arguments. They reaffirmed its holding, but not its arguments because the arguments are so weak. They're weak scientifically, they're very weak historically, and they're utterly uh, baseless constitutionally. But the science, as you're saying, is, is, is Roe v. Wade just ignores it. Now, here's the interesting thing that happened with this case, this Dobbs case. So the Mississippi legislators very much had in mind and by the way, I've, I've come to know them and we honored them in January in Washington at the March for Life, the prayer service that Priests for Life uh, uh, organizes. These, these lawmakers in Mississippi, so courageous in passing this uh, law um, that is now at the, the center of this case. They had this very much in mind when they passed this law. They said, hey, the science tells us who this baby is. We know better than ever. The district court where the law was first challenged and blocked didn't even consider this evidence. They paid no attention to the science, history, or any other evidence that the lawmakers said were the reasons they passed the law. You know why they didn't pay any attention to all that? Because they only asked one question. Is this ban on abortion that you in Mississippi have just passed prior to viability. Well, nobody disputes that it is. As soon as they, it was clear that it was, the court said, okay, that's all we have to know because abortion is a constitutional right prior to viability. So we're gonna block the law. So, so, so now, and here's the lesson of this case. They were invoking Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, okay, these two landmark decisions. And by invoking them, by saying abortion is a constitutional right, they short-circuited, they cut off any kind of reasonable debate that could take into account the changes that had happened in science. It shuts down the debate before it begins. Now, what is that? And that has happened time and time again in the courts, time and time again, in not only the, in the courts, but in ordinary conversation between Americans about this topic, somebody raises the topic of abortion around the dinner table or around the water cooler at work, and then somebody says, oh, but it's a constitutional right. You know, the Supreme Court said so. Boom. Shut down the conversation. That's it. End of story. Oh, because after all, who's going to argue against the constitutional right? So now what this decision does, if this decision does in fact get rid of Roe v. Wade, what we've got now is a new opportunity for lawmakers to look at the evidence, for courts to look at the science, for ordinary Americans to have a real discussion about the real pros and cons on this topic and really get to a more reasonable solution. So this people should think about 
you know, a, a, a overturning Roe as opening up, opening up the, the, the floodgates yeah. now of having good, solid debate and conversation, both among ordinary Americans and also in our legislatures and courtrooms. Yeah, and when you talk about good uh, conversation and debate, obviously the pro-abortion side isn't interested in some of them are not interested in calm discussion and debate. Uh, we know that with some of the groups that threatened, you know, to go into some churches, they did on Mother's Day, some went into churches and threatened to burn the Eucharist and things of this nature that came out. So obviously there's, there's, that, there's that response. But if you could break down for us, you know, Father, I'm really curious about, you know, the, the, we hear that so many states, there's a good number of states out there that are ready to enact some stricter uh, anti-abortion laws, uh, much more pro-life legislation. Um, where are we with kind of a breakdown, you know, you know, of how many states and kind of what yeah. that's going to look like? Well, you know, sometimes, you know, in referring to this case, we say, well, you know, reversing roads going to bring it back to the states. Yeah, but we have to qualify that a little bit. It's already been in the states. The battle is in the states very, very heavily, and a lot of work has been done, and that's why a lot of these cases came about in the first place. So, But what it's going to do, it's going to allow the work that's been done in the states to actually take effect. Mm -hmm. Some of it can take effect because the court has given the states some leeway, for example, to regulate abortion under certain circumstances, although that's kind of been a back and forth over these five decades, too. Sometimes the court has been more restrictive of what the states can do. Other times it's been more expansive. And it kind of goes back and forth depending on their decisions. Um, and that by it, in and of itself, by the way, shows that what Roe and Casey left us was were unworkable standards because the judges are confused and inconsistent across the country. But the states have been given you know, a good deal of leeway. And whenever the states have been given leeway to regulate abortion or even prohibit it in certain circumstances, they have risen to the occasion and they've done that. Why? Because the American people want it. Right. So um, basically we're talking right now about a, a, a 2020-10 a division among the 50 states. Uh, and these are approximate numbers because this, this varies according to how you measure it. But basically, in 20 states, there is going to be uh, the opportunity to pretty quickly, after a reversal of Roe v. Wade, give legal protection to a lot of these, these unborn babies. Another 20 are kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum, where they already have laws or court decisions or constitutional amendments of their own on the state level that would say, no, 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 we have to keep abortion legal. And then you've got about, you know, nine or 10 states kind of on middle ground, which means that there is, um, with a little bit more legislative activity, the opportunity to, uh, the, the, the climate is favorable, in other words, towards advancing the protection of the unborn. So the bottom line is good news. The majority of the states, uh, you know, some 29, perhaps 30 states, uh, the majority of these states are going to be able to very significantly um, protect the unborn. Now, what, what will that consist of? Some states have what are called trigger bans or trigger laws. In other words, the legislature at some point, knowing that the court did not allow them to protect these babies, passed a law that said, we're going to protect the babies, but not right now. This law will go into effect at, at such time as the court removes this obstacle. Well, that's what's about to happen. The court's going to remove the obstacle. And so those trigger laws will be triggered hmm. by that event. 
and they'll go into effect. It may be according to the wording of the law, some, some, some you know, action that the legislature needs to take. In other states, there are laws still on the books protecting the unborn that were there from before Roe v. Wade. Because remember, a court cannot erase the law from the law books. That's the job of the, of the, of the, of the legislature. The court can simply block the enforcement of the law. So again, you take that mm. barrier away and the legislature would then have to sort of revive these already existing laws. They would revive them. They wouldn't have to rewrite them. So that'd be a quicker process. Um, and one of the battles we're going to see in the states is, uh, and we already see it underway. For example, there's going to be a vote in Kansas coming up at the beginning of August. You see battles in the states where the pro-abortion people are trying to do at the state level what they did at the federal level, namely try to find a right to abortion in the state constitution. Mm. And when it comes to that, you know, our, our pro-life people they need to be ready to engage those debates and using and really using the same arguments as as uh, this this leaked opinion of Justice Alito uses, namely saying basically, hey, show me where abortion is in this Constitution, because it isn't. You know, not mm -hmm. only is it not in the text, it's not in the history. Uh, so there's going to be battles about the state constitutions and the state courts. So you're dealing with the legislatures. Uh, good pro-life laws need to be enacted, revitalized, uh, introduced where they don't exist yet. Uh, and enforced, of course, and then there'll be battles in the courts and, and, and in regard to the constitutions as well. Yeah. Wow. Father Frank, um, take a while. Well, I'd like you to get your opinion on this. Uh, and again, this is where I come from, but uh, we, the 49 and a half years now, it's uh, Roe v. Wade. And uh, all along, we understand that the influencers of our culture, you know, they have the megaphone uh, and a lot of the reason we have Roe v. or we have abortion right now is because the influencers, uh, I hundred percent, uh, almost hundred percent, are pushing uh, the narrative that justifies in their minds and and hopefully in the, those that they're speaking to uh, that that uh, babies should be killed in the mother's womb. Of course, they wouldn't put it that way, right? Uh, you know, woman's right to choose and my body, my choice. And, and all their narrative. What's been frustrating for me, Father Frank, is uh, that where has it, our influencers been? Now, uh, Priest for Life has been uh, enormous, but I guess I'm talking about uh, bishops, priests, mm. the spiritual leaders in all Christian mm. communities. Uh, I just, you know, the, the some things, and I feel like a pamphlet here and there, um, and, and, and frankly too, I've seen plenty of times in this 49 and a half years where priests who did dare say the A word abortion out loud, they were admonished for it, for, for being divisive. I mean, you even had the spiritual leaders in essence <clears throat> in camp with the pro-abortion, uh, industry or whatever cult, uh, because they were, uh, silencing anybody who dared speak up and and then there there, there was that uh, that sense of you're, you know you're you're frozen you, you know you, you don't don't dare want to speak up because you're going to get in trouble you know in this what what I'm talking about uh, what if you if it, here's the way I want to put it 
if if you had a dream and and you wished your dream would come true about the pro-life community and again we're talking about catholics christians primarily others uh what what would be your dream about how we how we can influence uh, the people in other words help them to understand like that 1965 uh, image of a life in the womb the miracle of life in the womb it said in 1965 and then you know the pro-death industry just stole the narrative while in my estimation we by and large remain silent except for you know courageous people like priests priests for life and and others but the spiritual leaders i don't know uh what would be your dream father frank if going forward in terms yes, of us we, influencing the culture. That's right. That, that it starts with speaking boldly. I mean, even the boldly. Secular, yes. Yes. Even in the secular world, you look at the Supreme Court decision about the New York Times v. Sullivan, uh, which talked about the, the the debate in public in the public square yes. over public policy needs to be robust. It said uninhibited you know right. and meanwhile you know we're we seem to be so inhibited i know the the, the, the dream would yeah. be that you know what you say what you really believe that the preachers have the freedom to proclaim from the rooftops yes. not only the gospel of life but be be, be be able to apply that to everybody's life now Father frank I, I, I real quick i just want to but like a perfect parent who, you know, when a serious matter occurs and you want the child to understand this is serious, you right. got to speak boldly, boldly. at that time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. They, yeah. You know, there's so much about this. Um, you know, everybody, you know, who, who's in the Catholic world, we think about St. Maximilian Kolbe, for example. Right. They know the beautiful story of how he exchanged his life for the prisoner who was condemned, right? Yes, yes. But I, I have often, his relic behind me. Do you really? Yes, I do. Oh, well, that's a piece appropriate of his hair. because, yeah, because I want to bring his name up because uh, in reference to what you're saying here, a lot of people don't talk about the story of how he ended up in that, in that camp in the first place. And that's because he was from a monastery, preaching, publishing, broadcasting against a political party that had taken upon itself to destroy innocent human life and to restrict the freedom of the church. Mm. He was preaching and, 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 and writing and broadcasting against the Nazi regime. Now, today, if I get up and say, if you get up and say, uh, if other priests, and there are some of us who will get up and say, for the very same reasons of you know, destroying innocent human life, and restricting the freedom of the church, the Democrat party today is committing these evils and must be opposed. Mm. We got so many in, in, in religious leaders that they're not gonna criticize the Democrat party. They're gonna criticize us for yeah. speaking up. Yes. I don't understand this. Meanwhile, we canonize these guys, you know, Maximilian Kolbe. And then, you know, the other person who's, who's blessed now, he was also another priest who became a bishop and then a, a cardinal. Clemens von Galen, right at the same time, right, with the Nazis mm. rising up, Clemens von Galen became famous for three sermons that he preached, 
And again, it was for the same reasons that the Nazi party was destroying innocent life. They had no dis- right. they had no regard for the right to life and no regard for the freedom of the church. Well, this is what the Democrats are doing today. So right. my vision, like you say, my dream is that we would once and for all be uninhibited. Right. And, and, and like, like scripture says, I believed, therefore I spoke. You know, Jesus said, command yeah. them, teach them to carry out yes. everything. God is in charge of 100% of our lives, not 95%, not 50%, 100%. And that includes our political choices. So mm. we've got to be able to, we've got to be free to speak. Yep. Father, how do you think that this, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned, you know, as all this unfolds, and I think you said that you expect this to happen sometime in June, most likely, but it could bleed over into the first few days of July. Is that kind of how the Supreme Court operates? Yeah, the term ends at the end of June. uh, And so, yeah, we're going to get this decision within the next few weeks. Okay. Um, How do you think, from your estimation, and the work that you do, and the priests, bishops that you interact with, um, and I know we're going to get to the, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the Archbishop of San Francisco in a little bit here, which will kind of tie into this. But how do you think this will affect them? Do you think it will embolden more and give them that courage to speak out? Do you get that sense from those that you've worked with? Or do you think this is going to become even more of a hot topic? Because, you know, the left is going to is going to go nuts on this. Yeah, you know, it, it remains to be seen, uh, frankly. It is going to be a great encouragement to those of us who have been active in mm-hmm. the pro-life movement. In fact, I mean, just take the three of us. I mean, we're excited now, uh, mm-hmm. right, by this. We're very encouraged. I don't think we yet realize exactly how we're going to feel on the day that we are told it is now official, Roe v. Wade is done. Man. I mean, we've been marching for this, praying for this, sacrificing for this, mm-hmm. preaching about this, broadcasting about it. Roe v. Wade has got to go. You know, the chant that the, we're going to have to find a new chant. You know, <laughs> we have some other ones. But, you know, it, it, it's like, wait a minute. This has been we know it's not our final uh, uh, victory. Final victory is protection of all the unborn everywhere throughout pregnancy. But it's a my I've been calling it a milestone victory. A milestone means things have changed now. We're in a new phase of the battle. And wow, I don't think we we fully realize how we're going to feel. I know I I I don't. I'm trying to get my mind around it because again, this is a day you dream of we've dreamt about it for decades. So what I'm what I'm saying from that is I think a lot of our fellow clergy, a lot of our fellow uh, lay leaders whom we know they're convinced of pro-life, they're passionate about it, they love the unborn like we do, maybe they don't speak up enough about it. I think there is going to be a certain wave of, you know, new strength and new confidence to speak about this. Yes, I I really do. Now, how long-lasting it will be, you know, I think it's going to require really a deeper conversion Uh, Along the lines of what we've been talking about so far, you know, don't be afraid of what the backlash is. The other side will try to intimidate us. And isn't it interesting how, you know, these pro-abortion groups, when they, when this leaked opinion uh, came out, I don't know how many of them read it, but what it says is, hey, you guys decide now, you know, I mean, if they, see, if they really believed their rhetoric, they wouldn't be acting this way. Uh, because the decision says, you know, the lawmakers are going to decide this now. So if they really believe what they say, namely, oh, all the people are with us. You know, people want legal abortion. Americans are, are on our side. Hey, yeah. if you really believe that, you got nothing to worry about. Go to your lawmakers. Tell them, hey, we got to pass strong yeah. laws protecting the right to abortion. And then you're all set. 
but they're behaving as if the sky is falling because they really don't believe their own rhetoric. And it's a good idea that they don't believe their own rhetoric because it's not true. Mm-hmm. The American people are with us, not with them. Yeah. You, you know, I, Doug and I both and a lot of our guests, and I think you'd agree too, we're living in truly demonic times. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, mm-hmm. I remember that um, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn was always talking about these uh, um, uh, these um, the harbingers. Oh, yeah, harbingers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hearkening back to uh, when they worship Baal and, and uh, Moloch, and, and they would literally mm-hmm. uh, pre, uh, sacrifice babies uh, mm-hmm. to these idols of theirs. And, uh, you know, fast forward to our times, and Father, you just talked about how outraged they are right now somebody actually got up on a pulpit and and called for a summer of rage you know yeah i've been saying that the demons that are manifesting right now are rage and division yes and uh, and they called for a summer of rage uh and and i think the devil is in panic mode right now he's losing and he's and he's grasping and and he's in such panic mode that he's not even bothering to shield himself or hide himself in any way He's right in people's faces, and it seems like we're we're in that period right now where where the devil's and and I think it's going to get um, and I'd love your opinion on this. I think it's and I've been equating it to uh, D Day because this year D Day falls on June sixth, the day after Pentecost. But it's kind of like that that we're going and we're we're re, we're we're reclaiming surrendered ground, so we're storming the beaches of Normandy, so to speak, but. A lot of blood was shed on those beaches it, yeah. until they got to that vic that, that that place of victory, and I just I just feel and, and get, I'd like to get your opinion on that. Uh, is yeah. victory ahead, Father? Is victory ahead? And is the kidding maybe get a little tough on the way there? Like the well, you know, we always we've always said in the pro life movement. I used to say this on EWTN all the time that the closer we get to victory, the more unhinged and unpredictable will be the behavior of the other side. Now, we're we're at that time right now. And, uh, you know, isn't it interesting how they attack our churches? We we close down abortion clinics and they try to close down our churches. Why? Because for them, the abortion clinic is their church. Abortion on demand is their dogma. And abortion itself is their sacrament. Uh, No, no question about it. It's the demon worship, as you described. Um, On a purely natural level, what's happening is that, like we discussed before, the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade handing them on a silver platter abortion on demand without requiring to go through the painstaking work of legislative debate and lobbying and so forth, um, treated them like children. So now that silver platter is being taken away. And what are they doing? They're behaving like spoiled children. They're having exactly. A uh, so that's exactly. what's happening on a natural level, supernatural level. It's the, it's the demonic rage. And uh, we, um, you know, they have another few reasons to be enraged. And I think what we're <clears> seeing now is a climax of a number of different battles because over these next few weeks, not only is the Supreme Court going to hand down the decision about abortion, but there is a major religious freedom case that is going to be handed down. And it looks like the justices are going to, are going to wipe away 
uh, these all these restrictions about prayer in the in the public square and mm. and you know it's the Coach Kennedy case. Uh, 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 so there's going to be a major victory in religious freedom. Uh, there's going to be a couple of other major issues that the Supreme Court is coming down on in these next few weeks. Mm. Plus, we look at the 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 the, the, the polling. Uh, uh, and the political wins regarding the midterm elections. And it looks like these, these pro-abortion uh, Democrats are going to have a very, very, very bad election in November. They're going to be swept out of office. Uh, and it's like the, 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 the left, again, on both a natural and a supernatural level, are looking at all this, and they're not happy. Uh, they're, and they're going to get less happy as the weeks go on. Yeah, and, you know, Father, you, you kind of lay that out about the the uh, freedom of um, the religious freedom case coming up as well. These are, I think, two great examples of still the fighting spirit um, in our country. Um, we haven't completely capitulated. There, there is no. still that that something inside of us. And I, if you could talk a bit about the reality that this has been something that, as Americans, number one, but also as Catholics, oh, and yes. I, I loved hearing. I love hearing Glenn Beck talk about this. He interviewed someone, and I forget who it was recently, and she was someone who uh, covered the story of the uh, the two boxes of, of aborted babies out in the D.C. area, uh, the one that with the two women took to their house, and then they were brought in for questioning and all. And the, the woman who was covering the story, Beck even came out and said, you know, I got to say, you're Catholic, right? She said, I am. And he said, you know, boy, the Catholic Church has really been at the forefront of the whole pro-life issue from the beginning, I really got to hand it to the Catholics for really, really being out there, you know, but we have that Catholic spirit. That's obviously, that should be global. But then we also have that American spirit as well. Can you talk a bit about just the fact that this country, while we got a lot of bruises and cuts and scrapes, we got a few broken bones here and there, we got some issues. We still have a lot of people who are in the trenches who have not quit. They're praying the rosary, they're going to adoration, they're marching in the streets, they're trying to get the election out. They're trying to do the right thing. Just if you could talk a bit about that, because I think a lot of people need that hope that we are not done, even though we feel down at times. And these are two great cases to help illustrate that. Yeah, you know, it's so true what you're saying. The Catholic community, first of all, we know we, know we are the body of Christ. And I, I've, mm -hmm. I've said to pro-life activists for decades, we are not just working for victory. We are working from victory. Mm -hmm. We start with victory. Christ yeah. is risen. We're still in the Easter season. And we know he, he, therefore, he has already defeated the culture of death. And therefore, he's defeated the power of abortion. So when we stand up and fight this battle, it's not like we're scratching our heads wondering, are we going to be able to win? We're pro claiming that we've already won uh, mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what gives us the resilience as a, as a, as a Catholic community. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. The risen Christ is with us. And, and, and that gives us strength. And the secondly, as Americans, what we are seeing with these comebacks, because these are comebacks in the election, in these court decisions, it reflects two things. First of all, our founders were men of faith. You look at David Barton's writings, for example, uh, a great American historian. He's got a book called Original Intent. And you see the founders talking about the judgment of Jesus Christ and the kingship of Christ and God's law is higher than human law. Here, as they're, as they're creating the, the lawmaking uh, uh, mechanisms of our government, they're saying God's law is higher. These were men of faith. And, and, and this is why uh, this, this experiment in self-governance has succeeded. It's such a resilient country because it was miraculous 
wisdom that inspired these men to write our founding documents. We are the only, this is going to be sort of a surprise to many people. We're the only country in the world right now that is still living and, 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 and every day being governed under its original founding documents. Wow. Now think about that for a moment. That, that's kind of amazing. Uh, and why does America, why is America the country that welcomes more people from around the world every year than any other country in the world? They come here not because of geography or ethnicity, but because of the principles of freedom that the country was based on. And, you know, unlike any other country, I mean, I could go, I could move to, to France, I could move to Spain, um, but there's nothing about moving to another country. You might be welcome there, you know, and, and okay, you're gonna live here. But the, it's something different when you come to America, you become an American. Not in the same way that, that, that you, you, you do so in any other country. You become an American. And this is a place that is truly exceptional. So we've got a resiliency. And the founders put into our system of government such wisdom. The division of government, the three co-equal branches, the division between federal and state, the way that the courts work, the way that the legislators work, it always gives room for the American people to say, to stand up and say, this has to change. Mm -hmm. it, there's always room for the protest, whether the protest is through First Amendment peaceful uh, activities in the streets or through the legislative and court processes. There's, and it's because of that that America is able to come back even when we make grievous errors. Great Father, I, I, I love your hopefulness. Um, I, I hope people's hearts are pounding like mine is listening mm. to you. But there's just so much hope because uh, I think you're seeing it as, as we all are. There's a lot of uh, uh, distraught, despairing people out there right now. And, oh, it's over. And, uh, and I think of, of uh, the disciples of Christ, uh, you know, on, on Holy Saturday, you know, the, it's all over, you know, and he's there in the tomb and let's, let's just go home. Uh, and, and no, no, uh, now is the time. I think now is the time for heroes to rise up. It is. We need heroic people. Uh, we, this is like almost like the final battle that we're facing right now. I'm, I'm sure it's not the final one, but it's big. And, and, uh, the devil and his minions are fierce and, and they're, they're panicked, like I said, but, but they're willing to do anything. And I, you know, you see even cheat, you know, uh, but they're willing to do anything right now. Uh, yeah. God's God protect the, the Supreme court justices. They'll do anything. Uh, and, and father, can you help us? I, I here's, here's what I did. I, I got everybody together because I knew that we were getting ready for, for a big battle. And I just said, you know what we, with, with man, it's impossible with God, all things are possible. We got to get strong. We got to get strong and we got to get close. That means getting close into God. And that's, uh, we were, uh, I don't know what we we're on a day 82 of, of uh, 90 days to peace. We use this, this as a tool here, but to help mm. people to just get intimate with the Lord, to just, uh, to, to spend sometimes 15 minutes uh, a day and just, just get intimate with the Lord, get close in um, <clears throat> mainly through mental prayer here, but, but those baselines, uh, spiritual habits too, to get those discipline in, in us so that we're strong, so that we're ready to accept the call to storm the beaches of Normandy when, when that call rises, uh, so to speak. And, and I think we're, we're facing that right now. Father, do you have any recommendations you can say, and I'm talking mainly spiritual here, 
yeah. for, for us going forward. Well, I'm glad you mentioned, Father, the prayer for the Supreme Court justices. That's been a key a theme. Uh, we've got a, a special website, SupremeCourtVictory.com. All right, we'll put prayer. that up. Yep. Yeah, Supreme Court Victory. Now, two things about that. One, it's got a prayer campaign. And we recently updated the prayer because right now praying for their safety is very important. Mm. I'm convinced, I mean, they've been under attack, threats and whatnot ever since this abortion decision was announced a year ago. Now it's just that those threats are becoming more out in the open because of right. the leak. But they, they've been under this for, for a year. Uh, and of course, for other decisions too, they're under attack. So yes, praying for them, for their families is key. We've got a prayer there at Supreme Court Victory, but also at that website, people can understand more of what we were saying before, breaking down the case and the arguments and even what's in this draft by mm -hmm. Justice Alito. Uh, but the spiritual dimension too, I think of two passages in the, in the gospels, you know, and they're both very similar. And one of them, Jesus is talking about his own passion. And remember, he, he predicts it. And then he says to the disciples, he says, I am telling you this now so that when it happens, you may remember that I told you. Yeah. So in other words, he's saying to them, don't think that when I get led away under arrest and, 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 and sub, uh, crucified and, and, and buried, don't think the mission has failed. I am telling you this now so mm. that when it happens, you'll remember that I told you and you'll say, wait a minute, this is not a failure of the plan. Right. This is a fulfillment of the plan. Right. And then he says the same thing in regard to how we will be treated. He says in, in, in John's gospel, he says, look, he says, you're going to be excluded and the time will come. And we can think of this too, in terms of the threats being made against the Supreme Court justices with this case, the time will come. When those who try to kill you will think they are doing a service to God. Mm -hmm. And then he says it again. When this I'm telling you this now so that when it happens, you may remember I told you. In other words, don't worry. I've got it under control. This is yep. the way it's supposed to be. And you are still safe in my hands and in my plan of salvation. Yeah, you know, it makes me think, Father, as you say that about um, one of the prayers in the uh, Divine Mercy chaplet it's a what they call optional closing prayers you know yep. eternal god in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair, not despair. nor become despondent right, right. With great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will which is love and mercy itself amen i love that part that in difficult moments, we might not despair nor become despondent. But right. in order for that to be, the, the beginning of that is to turn ourselves over to his mercy in prayer and, and just kind of put ourselves in that position that the difficult moments are going to come and we have to be prepared not to despair and to not become despondent or paralyzed in some way where I'm just afraid to do anything, I'm afraid to act. Your thoughts yes. on that? Yes, well, you know what, what other scripture comes to my mind when you say that? I love that prayer too. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it's exactly this theme that we're, that we're articulating from scripture. But in Psalm 139, there's also the verse that says this, that Lord, for you, the night is as clear as the day. Mm -hmm. Let's think about that for a moment. There's mm -hmm. also a translation of that that says, Lord God, for you, night and day are the same. Mm -hmm. For us living in time, living as limited creatures, when subject to our own temptations and sins, there's night and there's, and there's day. There are times that, hey, everything is great. Everything's going my way. And there are times when it seems like the world is falling apart. I'm scared. This is terrible. I'm lonely. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
But in those dark times, we got to remember for God, the night is as clear as the day. In other words, in that darkness, in those times of, of, of deep distress and even despair, God is in the same light as he is when things are going perfectly and he sees everything. So it's the same and we're in the hands of the very same God for the night is as clear as the day. It's confusing to us, but it's clear as day to him. It's scary to us, but he's comforting us from above. I mean, it's a beautiful verse and, and it reminds us keep like the saints always did. Let nothing disturb you. Keep the stay the course Everything is according to plan. Uh, and, and again, to use another scripture from uh, Paul, I mean, everything is working out for good for those who believe and are committed to, um, uh, to God's plan. Hey, Father, how big yeah. was it, uh, Archbishop Coeur uh, hmm. with uh, denying Nancy Pelosi communion? How big you know, was that? <laughs> I, I, and this is a man I, I was privileged to know 25 years ago. We both worked in Rome together. At the nice. time I was working at the Council for the Family, we lived in the Villa Stritch together. And, and, hmm. and when I heard, first time I already became a bishop, I was so happy because I knew uh, he was a courageous man. I knew he would do great things. I'm not surprised that he has done this. He has given her many, many opportunities uh, that she has not taken advantage of to, to come and sit down. And, you know, and, and that raises a question. If she says her faith is so important to her, why can't she make the time to sit down with her archbishop when he right. asks her to mm, and, and right. to work this stuff out? No, right. she doesn't care. She has no time for this. So he was put in a position where he had no choice but as a pastor of his diocese to say, I've got to protect First of all, I've got to try to protect you from the effects of your of your behavior here. Right. And I've got to try to protect my people from the effects of scandal. And unfortunately, many of us, and apparently a number of religious leaders, have forgotten what scandal is. Paul talks about it in scripture, but you know, with the meat sacrifice to idols, he said, you know, I know an idol is nothing. I can eat the meat, but I'm not going to eat it if it's going to scandalize somebody else who has a weaker conscience. It's going to make them think that somehow I'm transgressing God's law and it might encourage them to transgress. I'm not going to do it. So it, 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 the, 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 it's big because it shouldn't be so big. This should be the ordinary pastoral right. work of a, of a bishop. Right. Um, but the fact that it is so big and that he's now, he's being praised by many other bishops, by countless laity. They're, oh, thank you, Archbishop, for doing this, because the people are so hungry and thirsty for that yeah. kind of leadership, and so many others have failed to give it. I remember talking to a very, 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 years ago, a very faithful Orthodox Archbishop about this very question, and he was very honest with me. He said, you know, Father, he says, the problem is this. He said, I would say this about pro-abortion politicians in my diocese, he says, but I don't because if I say it, then another bishop in another diocese who has a pro-abortion politician, you know, if he doesn't say it, then we've got, you know, this, this appearance bishop against of bishop. this yeah. unity. Yeah, right, Akita, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> 1973. And it's, like, yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah, Roe v. Wade year. Yeah. Yep. It's like, okay, I can understand, you know, that's your concern. I don't understand we, it. But what are we left with? What are we left with if you don't say anything? We're, 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 it's worse. Along right. those lines, Father, yeah. can I just ask a follow-up real quick? Mm. Oh, oh, I, don't, I, I, I really don't want to take away from what Archbishop Cordelion did, but 
10 years, 10 years of, and that's that he's been trying to coax her along. I mean, think about what happened in that 10 years when an archbishop doesn't do that to someone who is one of the top influencers to keep abortion alive and thriving in our culture. Uh, and and then goes and says she's a devout Catholic. Uh, beside, it's, yeah, uh, it's, and, and and nothing is done for ten. Yeah, I know behind the scenes there might have been attempts, blah 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 blah. But in but in the eyes of the faithful, that's right. Ten years. Can you? There's speak? a lot of there's a lot of frustration. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we from the day I I, I became director of Priests for Life, I, I I don't think there's any question that has come to us more frequently from the from the Catholic faithful than this one. Why don't the bishops do more to exactly? Right, right. I mean, I mean comes from me. I, I'm, I'm not bringing it up. They're bringing it up to me, right? And, They're and, the and, and, top and, influencers of the Catholic Church, which was started by Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. if they're if they're not saying anything, that in essence is a sanction. You it know just what? Is. There's, there's a, a silence is compliance or something like that. I, I, I think we have to be honest here too. There's another another problem behind this problem. Um, I can, and I'm sure you can as well, I can bring out documents that have been circulated by bishops to their priests saying, literally, to people, some people are not going to, well, I think our audience will believe this. Some would find this hard to believe. Bishops saying to priests, you are not to preach anything that is going to make members of your congregation angry or that is going to be divisive. Yeah, divisive. Now, that's yep. the narrative. So, yeah. And so the problem here is oh, people are asking us all the time. They're asking the two of you. They're asking me, you know, why? Why is there so much silence on the part of the clergy? You know what? A lot I've of not come is, to bring peace. I've come to bring the sword, division. Yeah, Father yeah, against, that's, that's, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah. But, but a lot of the silence is enforced silence. And I mean, it's a I know sad it is. for us I know to it say. Is. It's in foresight. Priest, I can yeah. tell you how many priests come. To I just me. had another letter sent to my my bishop just recently because I talked about abortion on Mother's Day when we were being threatened by yes. Ruth sent us. You know, yes, yes. Uh, and I, I gave a beautiful, I thought a beautiful Mother's Day homily, but I part of it was that. And and what happens though is in most cases that letter goes to the bishop and the priest is admonished for that. And, and 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 so uh, some of the greatest influencers for the pro-death culture are the influencers for the Catholic Church hmm. by this doing is, such things. I'm I'm just it's so frustrating. It is. It, it, you know, All the priests very, have been canceled. You know why they've been canceled? They've been speaking up against the evil in our times, and they've been called divisive. That there's that word. That's their big narrative to get everybody to say nothing. And just let evil just just waltz in, and that eight year old can go ahead and have surgery to change their gender, and we don't dare say anything because we're divisive mm -hmm. or we're political. Because well, you we know, care, Father, we it, we're, we're, 
we're very much on the same page. Yeah. I, I, put a, I put a meme on my Instagram. And by the way, I hope our audience fo follow me on social media, FR Frank Pavone. And I put a meme on my Instagram the other day that said, you know, thanks to Archbishop Cordelione, you know, bishops should be admonishing uh, to spend more time admonishing these, uh, these pro-abortion Catholic politicians rather than admonishing the priests who right. speak up against them. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and so gentlemen. that's that chilling effect. There's the yeah. chilling effect right now. And, and, and virtually, uh, well, the vast majority of priests aren't saying anything for fear of, of being, you know, uh, canceled, but, but being punished by their own superior. I got to tell you, and I'm going to say this uh, all honestly, uh, if, uh, I developed this about a year and a half, two years ago. It's just been a, it's been a rough two years. But when my phone rings, I do this. And it's not because I think the secular press is calling me. I think my diocese is going to call me. Wow. And, yeah. And, and I've got that level. I could tell you all the stuff that's going physically on me right now, the stress level. And again, it's not because I'm afraid of the secular press. I'm afraid of my own diocese. I, I just, that's I need where to, we are right now. I, I need to chime in here quickly, gentlemen. I, I apologize to have to say this, but both of you being priests should understand the scriptures better. You're missing that part where Jesus says they hated me. But I oh, yeah. don't want them. No, no, listen. They hated me, but I don't want them to hate you too. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah, Jesus right. said this. They no, hated me, but I want you to be liked by everybody. They hated <laughs> me, but don't be controversial now. Yeah, right. Don't be divisive. No. Yeah, don't. They hated don't, me. But, watch your manner but and tone forbid, now. You're divisive. Yeah. Your manner and tone might upset your people. And and tone. <laughs> you, you know, you know, my line on, on divisiveness these days is we, we shouldn't be a concern. Our, our concern should not be that there's division in the nation and in the church. Our concern needs to be that we are on the right side yes. of that division. Right. right. That's exactly it. There's, you're right. going to be divided. It's going to happen. You got to be on the right side. Jesus did say they hated me. They will hate you too. Yep. If they do this to the head of the church, look what they're going to do to the body. We're yep. going to experience the trials, the persecution. We cannot think we're going to escape that. It's is this, you know, I don't look at it this way. It's as if we're going to, as if we figured it out better than Jesus. You yeah. know, if only Jesus would have evangelized different, you know, the son of God, the, the author of all that is that exists, the one who sustains our very existence, if he could have figured out how to reach us better, like yeah. we can, that that baffles me that that you know that's one of those key areas. This happens to our Lord. It's going to happen to us. And like yeah. you said, Father Frank, we have to make sure we're on the right side of that division because and, it's going to come. One and or we're the accused of taking, <clears throat> and I love this line, excuse me, <clears throat> we're accused of taking a polarizing stance. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be the narrative views, not view, not that we're taking a gospel stance, mm -hmm. not that we're taking a church teaching stance. But we're taking a polarizing stance, and it's left that way. It's left that way for the laity to to uh, see that that's 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 the way the narrative is going. I don't know if I, that makes sense right there, but you know, yeah. Father, it, it makes perfect sense. That's exactly what's being said. And you know what? There's no debating this anymore. In other words, they, 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 it, we waste time, you know, trying yeah. to argue with these people about this because it, 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 it's been answered over and over again by the scriptures, by the example of the saints. It has been answered. We simply need to reject yes. that kind of, 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 of advice and that kind of, of, of statement, that kind of criticism. It's like we stand up in the light. 
We speak boldly and we're going to say, you know what? You yep. think what you want to think, say what you want to say. Yeah. We know what we're doing. We know where we're going. We know right. why we're doing it. And we're just going to keep doing it. That's all there but is. I, I think the heroes of our time are, are the ones that are brave enough to accept the consequences of speaking the light of truth out in the open. Right. And Father Frank, you lead us with that. With that. Mm. And you're one of the most striking examples of that in our times. And thank you so, so much for everything that you do. But it's so needed right now. And I think well, more and more people like Archbishop Cordelione are seeing, okay, we tried this non-polarizing, non-divisive thing. It's not working. Yeah, it's time. It. It's time. Let's storm the proverbial uh, beaches of Normandy, you know, and let's go in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Father. And I, I appreciate the example and work that both of you do as well. Spreading the light, proclaiming the truth and, 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 and strengthening the troops. Thank you both. Thank you, yeah. Father. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That might be a great time for us to conclude. I think we're right at our time right now. Yep. And so, uh, Close. Father Frank, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do some fast. I'm going to do a 72 hour fast later this week. And you're going to be the lead of my prayers for that. Oh, thank yeah. you. I sure yeah. appreciate you're, that. You and your ministry, because uh, this is, oh, gosh. We're, we're going in. You know, yes. The, and and the, Father the, Frank, I'll offer up some chocolate for you. How's that? <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> nice. No, no, Very I'll, nice. I'll, I'll do more than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Father, could you let, end us with a prayer? Oh, sure. Gladly. Yeah. Yes. Right. yes. In the name, name of, the of the Father, and of the Son, oh, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, uh, as we approach the Feast of Pentecost, send forth uh, from you and from your Son the gift of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the advocate you have given us. Father, may this Spirit, who is our advocate, make us advocates for the truth, for freedom, and for the lowest, the youngest, the smallest, the most defenseless of our brothers and sisters, the children in the womb. Uh, may he make us joyful advocates. May he make us victorious advocates. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thanks for being with us. This was awesome.